One thing that we are finding is that maybe at this time when we're all at home, we're all isolated from our family and friends, hearing is even more important than ever. Welcome to the inaugural podcast of Hearing Health Today. When we set out to create this podcast a few months ago, we wanted to create a forum where we discussed new advances in hearing care and talked about some of the barriers that prevent people with hearing loss from receiving treatment. However, the world's changed dramatically since then with the onset of COVID-19. So we thought it made sense in this very first episode to shine a light on some of the issues that are facing the hearing care industry during this pandemic. This is a podcast for hearing health professionals. If you are a cochlear implant candidate or recipient or a member of the general public, please seek advice from your health professional about treatments for hearing loss. We're excited to be joined by Dr. Helen Collington for this episode, a professor from the University of Southampton and one of the world leaders in teleaudiology. Helen, uh, thanks for joining on the first ever podcast episode of Hearing Health Today. No problem. Uh, good morning, Craig. Well, it might be good evening for you, I think. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Yeah, just for our listeners, um, I am uh, calling from Sydney and we are reaching Helen in the UK. I've noticed you've been a bit busy uh, recently because you were in the news um, a couple of weeks ago. Did Could you tell us a little bit about that and, and um, why you were featured on the BBC? Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. So, well, in the UK, it's been, I think, just over six weeks now since we've been in lockdown um, in common with so many other countries. So we have been trying our very best to manage our um, patients with cochlear implants. And a priority for us was to get people hearing if they had had their cochlear implant surgery and hadn't yet had the switch on of the device. So we felt very upset, really, for people who had gone through cochlear implant surgery and then our clinic closed. We're not allowed to see outpatients anymore. Yeah. And so those people were left at home, really, without any sound or perhaps even with less sound than they had before um, because they can't wear their hearing aids. So our priority was getting people's cochlear implants switched on. And we've done that in a variety of ways. The one you saw on the news, a little girl um, of 18 months who had just had her cochlear implant surgery. So I managed to do her cochlear implant switch on from my home to her home by um, sending the programming computer and the cables to her home via courier. And then I um, remoted into the computer in her house and then also had a video link on my phone so that I could see the little girl and the family and she could see me all the time. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, it it was actually. It was completely straightforward. Um, It it was amazing. So um, managed to do the full switch on, was watching her for reaction, talking to the family. And the family was just so happy that we were able to do that remotely so that um, she could start having some access to sound. And that was about a month ago now. And actually, she is already starting to respond to some sounds, which is really good news. And I was going to ask you, so you did the switch on about a month ago. Uh, are you doing follow-ups through that same method of, of telemedicine or, or how are you managing contact with uh, her family? Yeah, so we're doing a mix of things, Craig. We've done other remote mapping appointments in the same way for follow-up. What we did try to do when we started to realise there was going to be a lockdown yeah. just before the clinic closed, we tried as best as we could to um, set patients up with progressive maps. We 
gave them a lot of counselling that we'd be expecting them to be um, changing maps more than usual, using their volume control over the following few weeks because we got the sense really we wouldn't be able to see them for a while. So in a lot of cases, we've been able to um, support our families remotely and help them to move through the different levels we set at their early appointments. How are you coping as a an audiologist during COVID-19? What, what sort of changed with the way that you're treating your patients or what are some of the challenges you're seeing with patients during this pandemic? So I think in common with most clinics, really, we've had to have a massive reshift in the way we're working. So we can't see patients in the clinic. Everybody's now working from home. Um, we have a rotor of uh, two or three essential staff that are going into the clinic each day. And we're doing our best really to keep everybody hearing. So this means we've um, kept our daily repairs service running uh, with the difference, of course, the repairs are either done by post or rarely we ask patients to um, drop off or pick up a sound processor in a box outside the clinic. So it is all being done remotely. Um, we're having um, remote consultations with families. Um, we are, as I say, still doing all our repair services. We're trying to support our families as much as we can, but it is different and it doesn't work for everybody. I hear from a lot of clinicians that they don't think um, folks over 70 or 80 are, are capable of doing telemedicine. Um, but I just want to get your thought on that. Is that is that what you find as well? Or do you actually find um, the reverse in some cases that um, older demographic are actually quite capable and, and uh, advanced in terms of being able to participate in teleaudiology? Yeah, so I think the statistics now show that a very high percentage of people, even in the 70s, 80s and 90s, um, are using the internet regularly. And we haven't found that a barrier with most people. I think I would perhaps say that um, older adults who have a hearing loss might be even more likely to engage with online communication. So I think online communication, whether it's via smartphone or email or text messaging um, it's more of a level playing field so if you do have a hearing loss I think you might have been more likely perhaps to um, engage with online communication. Thinking forward you know a year or maybe even two into the future how do you think the COVID-19 pandemic and some of um, the necessity for telemedicine now is going to change care in the future? So I think it definitely will change the way we're seeing patients and, and probably will change things for the better. I don't think things will ever go back to how they were before. What we've all had to do really is um, innovate quite quickly. We've all had to think of creative solutions to help our patients. And I'm hoping really that that, that ethos will remain. So I think now that we feel confident that there's so many different ways of caring for patients um, that there'll definitely be times in the future that we will do remote switch-ons, perhaps not so much the drive-by switch-ons. Um, <laughs> well, who knows? So you might be under something there. But. <laughs> exactly. But I think, you know, there's always situations where it's difficult for patients to travel. And previously, perhaps we were very focused on at least for switch-on, patients had to come to the clinic. But now that we know that we can very easily with no loss of quality of care, 
we can do it remotely. We'd definitely be happy to do that in future. And I can see perhaps we'll be able to do switch-ons and tuning appointments much more, perhaps in the child's school or nursery or home, just in an environment really where it feels more comfortable for the child. And has that been the general feedback from uh, patients or, or parents, if they're pediatric patients, that they are really enjoying uh, connecting with you remotely? Yes, definitely. Yes. So families have generally been really happy that we are thinking of solutions to help them in these tricky times. And well, I had an appointment yesterday. It was a one month follow up with a child. And I I wanted to repeat the the NRT measurements that, that were done previously. And it was a busy family, um, other children at home. And I think just the fact that the appointment time for that family was just the one and a half hours that I was connecting to them rather than the the whole packing all the children into the car, arranging childcare for the other family. It, it, It did seem more family centered, really, the fact that we could offer care to the family in the place where the child was comfortable. The child was just sitting in the high chair, eating a cucumber rather (laughs) (laughs) they were just in their own environment playing with their own toys and we were getting on with the appointment so uh, again one option doesn't suit everybody and um, I know a lot of families do feel more comfortable coming to the clinic and and that's fine but I think really now that we feel confident that we can care for patients in a lot of different ways that will definitely help us going forward. We've had some very successful remote appointments really. So not just for mapping, but also for follow-up where we've had um well we've had four-way video calling. So I did um a one-month follow-up a couple of weeks ago with a child and um we had um the child and the family, uh me from home, the child's rehabilitationist from home and also the child's local teacher of the deaf joined the call. So there was all four of us virtually in the same room, um, focused on the family. And it, and it did work really well. How do you see uh, differences in clinical practice playing out between uh, different centers who are engaged in um, telemedicine or teleaudiology? Do you, do you feel like the industry is sort of converging on a, a particular um, way of practicing remotely or is that sort of yet to be determined we're trying to figure out sort of what that um the best way to do this would be in the future i think we're still um trying to figure that out really at the moment i hope that we can sustain some of the changes in terms of flexibility of patient care so offering the care in at the place and at the time that, that suits the patient best how do you feel like patients are coping uh, during this time? Are they using social media more as in as a way to drive or I guess get advice on, on how to cope with this? Or what's your perspective? What are you seeing as a clinician in terms of how patients are coping during the pandemic? I think one thing that we are finding is that, and we're hearing this from a lot of our, our adults with implants, that maybe at this time when we're all at home, we're all isolated from our family and friends, hearing is perhaps even more important than ever. Many people with hearing loss do, of course, already feel quite isolated um, if they're relying on regular visits from family members. 
Um, and I do worry perhaps people who, who don't have hearing solutions at the moment, it must be very difficult for them. Yeah. The, the isolation communicating via zoom or FaceTime is of course a great blessing and it's fantastic that we can talk to each other this morning but it can be quite difficult for people with hearing loss especially if there's a lag or people aren't able to to lip read are you finding that uh, just checking in with people especially if they live alone um, is uh, really important in terms of providing that holistic care to the patient yes we're definitely checking in with people more um I think a group of patients that we are concerned about, and it must be a devastating time, are patients who um, were just about to have their cochlear implant surgery when the lockdown happened, or patients who were just going through the assessment process and getting ready to have cochlear implant surgery. That must be very, very difficult because, of course, elective surgeries are still not happening patients still haven't had um, their imaging their MR scanning so I do really feel for families who are stuck in limbo really not not knowing when the elective surgeries are going to be happening again and perhaps even more so um, uh, families of babies who have hearing loss because we all know and the families know the importance of that early critical period and it must be very very difficult for them to be waiting at home with no idea when the cochlear implant surgery is going to be. Do you see telemedicine playing a role in that in the future? Are are you able to do candidacy assessments remotely or are you able to um, do other appointments remotely that might otherwise take up time in the clinic to free up time for those candidacy assessments. Is there any sort of hope, I guess, in using telemedicine to try and solve some of those issues? Yes, I I think there definitely is. Um, What we would like to work on really is um, we realise in the UK and in lots of other markets in terms of adults with hearing loss that there's lots and lots of adults out there who would benefit from a cochlear implant but haven't yet presented themselves for assessment. So we're very keen to um, look at how we can increase access and awareness Mm. of cochlear implants. And I think a first stage screening process could perhaps be done at home, um, maybe using an app or some kind of online tool for patients to just get a first stage idea of whether they could be in the candidacy area for a cochlear implant and then perhaps to be referred to their local ENT to get some more information. Uh, Again, of course, this doesn't suit everybody, um, but it it could be one step of increasing access to cochlear implants. And that's one thing that I find staggering about the cochlear implant uh, industry is that there are just so many people that uh, are eligible or could be helped by a cochlear implant, but just aren't getting the care that they need either because uh, they're not aware of it or, or maybe there's a waiting list, but yeah, anything we could do to help that would be amazing. You're right. It's, it's amazing still that we still see people in the clinic, adults who have had the same level of hearing loss for perhaps 10 years. And they're only presenting now um, to ask about a cochlear implant. So there's definitely a lot more work that we need to do. We have heard a lot from our patients with cochlear implants at this time, perhaps more so than usual, patients have been contacting us and saying, 
I'm so happy I had my cochlear implant. Um, we had a, a message a couple of days ago from a patient saying, um, I'm so pleased I made the decision to have a cochlear implant. Now that I'm in isolation, I can mm-hmm. chat to my family on the phone um, yes. using a video call. And um, that somebody had mentioned talking to their grandchildren and, and she said um, that she just had a new grandchild and already over video call, she had managed to hear the grandchild sneeze so oh, she's wow. very that's, happy about that's that. That's amazing. So I think just that level of contact, hearing is just so vital to communication. It, it's not everything. I think we all communicate really in a multi-sensory way, um, but hearing is obviously such an important part of that. I, I bet they were never so happy to hear a sneeze uh, during a pandemic before. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. Um, I had a... Another interesting email, actually, from an uh, an adult using a cochlear implant, and he was saying how um, um, he goes for a lot of walks in the countryside, his, his once-a-day exercise that we're allowed to do, and he was saying that because everything's quieter during lockdown, and I think we've all noticed that, really, you know, there's a lot yeah. less traffic, a lot less sound going on, and he said that um, with his cochlear implant, he's even got a heightened appreciation of sound now so nature sounds birds everything is heightened to him and he's just really enjoying listening to all those sounds in the countryside so helen i wanted to dive a little bit deeper into social media i noticed that you recently uh wrote a study about social media peer support and i was just curious if you could comment a little bit about uh, the role of social media and and how that might be used by patients effectively during this pandemic so recently i've um spent some time studying our local patient peer support group, which is a Facebook group. Um, And it's a fascinating model, actually, of how peers can support each other. Uh, When when adults and families are coming in, finding out about a cochlear implant, they often say to us that the most useful appointment that they have is when they meet somebody else with a cochlear implant or another family that, that has a baby with a cochlear implant. I think however much we as professionals can tell people things, it's always so important really to hear it from somebody in the same boat as you, somebody who understands it from, from the inside really, somebody who's living with a cochlear implant, living with a hearing loss. And actually I think that peer-to-peer support continues throughout the hearing journey. So on the, uh, the local Facebook group that we have here, it, it, it's fascinating actually to see patients helping each other, supporting each other. So it could be things like somebody will post on the group that they've got um, a new mobile phone and they're saying, oh, how do I connect this mobile phone to my cochlear implant? What should I do? Oh, nice. And, um, it, you know, of course, there'll be somebody on the group that's done something very similar. So they will have top tips to help them. And people often post good news stories as well. And I think that can be quite encouraging. So actually, we've heard quite a lot recently, again, about people hearing birdsong for the first time. And I think we're all hearing birdsong a little bit more during these quieter times. So there's sort of a a peer-to-peer support network that's built into a lot of these social networks, it sounds like. Yes. Yeah, I think it's, it's very, very useful. Another thing that people have been discussing a lot recently on social media is um, 
the use of face coverings, mm-hmm. um, which obviously possibly we're going to have to all go into a period of wearing face coverings. And mm-hmm. that does offer a challenge for people with hearing loss. What do you do if you're relying on lip reading and, and everyone's wearing face coverings? Yeah, so I know that there are manufacturers that have come up with face coverings that have a clear part um, over the lips, which is mm-hmm. it, it is obviously better than nothing. But I don't know whether those are approved face masks. I don't know how they work in terms of infection control. So I think sure. a lot more work is needed in that area. But it must be very difficult for families if, if a patient is quite unwell and they're not able to read somebody's face. So I think that the role of social media, really, I think it's a lifeline to, mm-hmm. well, it's perhaps been a lifeline to a lot of us hearing yeah, loss or no hearing loss all of us. over the past few months. Helen, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a fantastic conversation. Um, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us, especially on the very first ever episode of Hearing Health Today. Oh, thank you. It's been lovely to chat to you. And the fact that we're chatting almost face to face from across the other side of the world really is a testament to what you can do with technology these days. Once again, a big thanks to Helen for joining us. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to the very first episode of Hearing Health Today. If you enjoyed it, please make sure you press the subscribe button and give us a rating and a review. If there's a particular topic you'd like us to cover, please mention it in your review. We'd love to hear from you. You can find all the links to what was discussed in today's podcast in the description and stay tuned for our next episode. In the meantime, stay safe. Just a quick reminder, the views of the interviewees in this podcast are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of Cochlear Limited or its subsidiaries. This material is intended for health professionals. If you are a consumer, please seek advice from your health professional about treatments for hearing loss. Outcomes may vary, and your health professional will advise about the factors which could affect your outcome. Always read the instructions for use. Not all products are available in all countries. Please contact your local cochlear representative for product information.